Well, I am here this morning. My whole studio, everything just shut down here a little bit ago, and I am trying to uh, uh, get back into the groove of uh, of what we were going to be talking about this morning. I mean, we had just gotten started, and everything just went offline completely, and uh, uh, I am trying to come back into my audience of folks here, and uh, we will see if we assemble some folks here or not, and I, I still have some issues with some of the studio equipment here this morning uh, not quite being what it's supposed to be, but that's all right. We're going to make make a go of it with what we have. I need to have some folks leaving some comments there. I want to make sure that I am talking to a, a, a live group of people here. Uh, and, uh, and if not, I guess I'll record something anyway. I'm missing a few cameras that uh, when everything shut down, a few cameras have disappeared. Um, so, but that's all right. Uh, you, you'll get stuck with what you've got this morning here. And, uh, uh, I, I even changed the title of what, what this broadcast was going to be about. Uh, it's going to talk about the compassion of Jesus, but. Uh, I think that the, that the Lord's wanting me to talk about something else instead. Uh, what I initially had put on to the title, which you didn't see anyway, was amazed by a lack of faith. That that was what the title I was originally going to go with because it actually says this in one of the um, one of the verses uh, that we'll be looking at this morning. And I, I need you to know that that I am involved. Uh, right now in uh, a number of uh, different things where it's it's requiring an incredible amount of faith. And uh, maybe in your life you need to be encouraged about faith and uh, not just faith in faith, but faith in God. I mean, faith needs to have an, a, an object to which it's pointed and and. Some people just say, well, you just have to believe. Well, believe in what? Well, believe in yourself. Well, no, that's not it. Uh, you just need to believe in, in, in the karma of the cosmos. No, that's not it. Uh, our belief, our faith needs to be specifically directed at God, the, the God of heaven, the God who created and sustains all things, the Lord God Almighty. Mighty God in heaven. I mean that that He needs to be the one uh, who is the uh, to whom we direct our faith and our prayers and our hopes and our aspirations and all of these things. Now I'm going to pick up in Mark chapter six, and we're going to do just a little short section because we lost a little bit of time this morning uh, when the entire studio shut down. Everything just went blank and. Uh, which was kind of weird, uh, but um, I'm going to cover Mark 6, 1 through 6, 6. And uh, when we finish that section, we'll be done for the day because there is something here very significant to mull over. And, and I think maybe, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I don't want to blame the Holy Spirit or say it's the Holy Spirit uh, that shut the computer and the monitors and the lights and everything off. It wasn't like there was a power guy. It was just weird. Um, what happened here. Uh, 
but I, I'm really thinking the Lord is wanting to stir our hearts about what we're going to read here in in this passage. So Matt, uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Now, remember, he had done miracles. Yesterday we talked about uh, the woman who had the issue of blood, and she touched the edge of his garment, and she was healed. We, we read about Jairus' uh, daughter and how uh, they thought she was dead, and yet uh, she was raised up to life. Uh, in fact, the inclination is that she was dead and was raised to life. Uh, that was back in Mark chapter 5. A lot of very significant, powerful, life-transforming uh, occurrences took place back in Mark chapter 5. But here in Mark chapter 6, we said, we read that Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Shabbat came, the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him, that even his that he even does miracles? I mean, they were amazed. The people were amazed. Many were amazed. Where did he get these things? Uh, what's the wisdom that's been given to him? Uh, he does miracles. But then they turn in verse 3 and say this. <clears throat> Isn't this the, the carpenter? Notice it doesn't just say carpenter's son. This particular uh, gospel says, isn't this the carpenter? Jesus, by now, is known as a carpenter. Technon, if I remember the word correctly. They worked with stone. I mean, if you were to go over to that part of the world, you'd see woodwork, but you'd see an awful lot of stonework. Uh, he was a contractor. That's what he did. That was his livelihood from, from probably not long after his bar mitzvah or coming of age, I'm not sure if they actually did bar mitzvah back in Jesus' day, but the coming of age, I mean, there wasn't, the, the, the idea of being a teenager is uh, uh, a, a more modern concept in like the last 100, 150 years. I mean, it wasn't that people weren't 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, 13 to 19 being the teenage years, I mean, they were still teenagers, but from the time that they were that age, they began working. From the time that they were that age, uh, they began to have responsibilities. And um, so Jesus, at that age himself, became one who worked along with Joseph and and, and perhaps took up the mantle, uh, and he himself was a contractor until he launched out into his public ministry. Uh, so that's what it says about him here in verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the one that that we saw as um, one among us? Isn't this one that we would go to to hire to have a new deck built? Uh, or isn't this one that we would go to hire to have a new roof put on? Or isn't this one we'd hire to, you know, uh, come remodel uh, a section of the house or to build a house or to build onto the house? Isn't this who this is? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Now, those were the brothers' names. These are not to be confused with the James and the Judas and the Simon who were his followers. 
these were the names of brothers. So, I mean, there were common names, uh, and and uh, one of those common names was James. There, there was the James, the son, uh, James and John, the, the sons of Thaddeus, the, the sons of Thunder. Uh, but this is James, his brother, and another brother, Joseph, and another brother, Judas, and another brother, Simon. So, I mean, he had people in his entourage who had those names, some of those names, but then he also had brothers, biological brothers who had those names. And then and then it says this in verse 3, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. So, I mean, the, the little insight that we get out of this is the fact that Jesus had a family. Jesus had brothers. Jesus had sisters. We don't know if Jesus teased his sisters and brothers. And, you know, we, we don't know if he said, well, I'm the oldest. We, we don't know those things. Jesus never sinned. He never had a the wrong attitude. He never sinned, but we don't know what fun that they may have had. And, and all of his siblings grew up with him. And we've read in other places how it said of them, they came to uh, bring him home. They saw how hard he was working. They thought they, they thought that he was kind of out of his mind a little bit. And that's when he said, my brother and sister, uh, and my, my brother and sister and mothers are those who do the will of my father who is in heaven. But the people around, the people here in Nazareth, are saying, "Well, this this is this is Jesus the carpenter. We know his family," uh, and and they took offense to him. It says in verse three, "Why did they take offense? Because he was uh, inflicting or demonstrating a um, an ability that went far beyond their own." Uh, he, he came up into a new place. He was no longer just the carpenter. He was the preacher carpenter. Uh, he was the, and no longer was he doing the carpentry. No longer was he doing that work. He gave himself fully to his full-time ministry. And Jesus says this about the people when it says they took offense to him. Verse 4 says, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. This teaching being given by Jesus is actually quoting uh, an Old Testament verse. Uh, let me see if I can tell you where this is coming from real quick. Um, yeah, back back in Jeremiah 11.21, Jeremiah 12.6 talks about this very thing, these very words that, that a prophet was with, is without honor. Uh, that is a quote out of the book of Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah knew what it was like to be rejected by his own people as well. So he's quoting what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah had the experience of, of being disregarded by his people. And, and you know, Jeremiah in his ministry, it, it, was, it was tough. People didn't want to listen to what the prophet had to say. Uh, Jeremiah would be thrown in prison because of what he was preaching. By his own people, he was thrown into prison. You talk about the rejection of Jeremiah, and now we see the rejection of Jesus, and it goes on in this passage to tell us uh, in verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. I mean, there were some, but by and large, the, the absolutely incredible things that Jesus had been do, doing before 
he could not do uh, among these people because they were refusing to believe him. Uh, he could lay his hands on a few sick people. He could heal a few sick people. Uh, but but all the whole town coming out, everybody being healing healed stopped. Why did it stop? Because of what it says in verse 6. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. He left Nazareth and went other places and began to teach. Now, there's there's much in verse 6, much in verse 5. Uh, things that, that uh, challenge us. Things that, that uh, kind of peek into our soul. Uh, things that, that we have to evaluate in, in our own lives. Uh, he says he couldn't do miracles there. What about among us? Are we obedient so that he would be pleased to do uh, miracles among us? Uh, are we uh, faith-filled so that he would be pleased to do miracles among us? And and friends, I, I want to suggest to you right now that, that we we could use to see some miracles. Um, we can use to see miracles of lots of people responding in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle to see that type of response on the part of people. So, so that is, that is one thing that we need, uh, ministries around us that, that, uh, need to see miracles of God's provision. Um, I, I, I can't say lots of things, but just, just know that ministries around us, uh, ministries in the state of Maine, uh, there are some that are, are doing just fine. Um, but there are others that struggle, uh, and our, our need to see uh, of seeing some very significant provision. Now we're we're in a tight time where we are here at Veracity, but there are other ministries that that uh, have far more significant uh, uh, obstacles uh, that they face. And the question is, will we trust God? Will we come together prayerfully to trust God? That's the question. Will we believe God? We, we can try to figure out all the answers and, and, and push the pencil and make cuts and so on and so forth. But will we come together to pray for what God will do? And, and, and I know and we are you, you know that I'm involved with the New England Bible College. Uh, it is a, a great under-resourced resource here in the state of Maine. Uh, the, the teaching, I just met with a, a, a businessman yesterday uh, out in uh, western, kind of western Maine, and um, he was talking about how his wife had been so encouraged and strengthened and edified by taking courses through New England Bible College. Uh, and yet, because of a variety of factors, uh, most mostly the uh, philosophical factor of let's, let's just trust God to provide and give us who we're supposed to have and, and, and not pray about finances and not pray about students, but just, okay, we're just going to wait and see what happens. Kind of a philosophical approach that took place. Not much, much had happened in a number of years, and we're trying to change that. Ministries, uh, Fairhaven camps, uh, other Christian camps, uh, other ministries, neighborhood house, our church, other churches, 
how, how will the economic uh, situation uh, impact ministries? You know what? The fact of the matter is that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That is a verse from the scripture. Maybe somebody could look up, maybe Don could look up the reference, uh, cattle on a thousand hills reference. And I want to just comment about this. I mean, I, I, you've heard that before, perhaps, that that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which which is absolutely a, a true statement. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But can I tell you something? Not only does he own a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills too. And the question is, are we willing to trust in, in God's ability, in God, in what God has, and and to make sure we're aligning ourselves with God spiritually, to make sure that we're, uh, uh, to make sure that we're aligning ourselves. Uh, in terms of the, the the things on which are have our focus, the things that have our priority, that we would uh, align with God. Don looked up the verse, and here it is. Uh, the verse is from Psalm 10, uh, 50, verse 10. Thanks, Don. It says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, God is speaking. He's telling the people that he is the creator. He created everything even the cattle on a thousand hills, that which is true. And if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he can provide it. And I think context is that, that God will provide. The question for us is, is he amazed at our lack of faith? And that, that could be a lack of faith uh, in your life. It could be a, a lack of faith about your situation. It might be a lack of faith about a ministry situation what God will do. I mean, as I read this passage, the thing that I am being uh, challenged with is is the idea of, will I trust God? Am I praying to God? Am I asking God? You have not because you ask not. I was talking to uh, President Smith yesterday of, of New England Bible College and Seminary, about uh, this verse in James, it says, uh, you have not because you ask not. And some translations simply say you have not because you ask not. Other translations say you have not because you ask not God, because you don't ask God. And we were discussing, you know, going back to original language, and I was driving and talking to him on my little earbuds things, and and he said, I need to get back and look at that and see does it, does it emphasize we have not because we don't ask God? And, and I think that that would be an entirely, absolutely uh, true statement. Often we don't have because we don't ask God. We need to come and it, 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 we ask in generality sometimes. Some of you understand very well how to ask God specifically for specific things. And yet we we... Sometimes because of our view of the sovereignty of God, that all things are under God's control, we tend to not ask God specifically. And yet there are verses in the Gospels and in the epistles that speak to how we uh, should ask God. Ask and do not doubt, says in James chapter 1. James chapter 4 says, ask not with the motives of, of uh, heaping these things onto your own lusts, but asking for the, for the glory of God, and that that's why we would ask 
Um, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that what we ha- ask of him, we receive. It tells us that in 1 John chapter 5. Uh, and other places, Jesus indicates that as we pray, that, but the question is, are we praying? What specifically, for what specifically are you praying? And you'll get specific numbers. Uh, you, you have specific requests of how things will come in. But are we looking to God? This is the question. Verse 6 said this, and, and this is kind of where I, 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 I'm challenged with this verse. Verse 6 says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, he'll go on from there, and we're not, we're not going to go there. We'll pick up on that tomorrow where it talks about uh, how he sent out the 12. But for us to evaluate uh, our own faith, uh, how are we at trusting in God and what God would do uh, for us and, and in our circumstance? Here's another testimony. Uh, it's been a year since my son lost his home and everything in it. I've seen God come through for them over and over in the past year. They have rebuilt their uh, rebuilt their home and have been in it for two months. Uh, God is a wonderful God, and he is faithful to his word. He is our provider. And I mean, the question is, do we believe that? Um, and, and we can believe that for a personal sense. Uh, and we thank God, we rejoice in 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 the new home and uh, what it is like there. We rejoice in that. But I, I ask you today, what do you need to trust God for in your own life? Uh, and I also ask you to join with me in praying for God's resources uh, for ministries you would join with me in praying for resources for our own ministry right here at Veracity. Um, we are making some changes, tightening some things up uh, out of uh, just uh, trying to be uh, fiscally wise to our circumstance, but to ask God to provide. New England Bible College, we're, we're trying to raise the funds that we need to support the staff that, uh, you know, I, I work far more hours uh, than, than I for what then I get paid for, uh, and I'm not complaining about that. Uh, and uh, and there are others that do the same. Uh, you know, we have a, f- a full time president uh, who who works for about twenty thousand dollars a year, uh, and we just need the resources to be able to to move that ministry forward and other ministries. It, the good thing is none of these ministry those, those our ministries are not upside down. Uh, there are other ministries that, that in some ways are upside down uh, and, and really in need of help. Would you join with me in praying for God's provision? Lord, I want to pray for the provision that people need in their lives. We have listeners that I'm sure have needs in their lives, and we look to you that you would provide for them, that they that you would uh, inspire their faith, that you would strengthen their faith, that you would help them to to turn their eyes to you and see you come through for them. And, Lord, we to, we agree together for ministries, uh, and not only here locally, we, we think of ministries in Florida, we think of ministries in Ukraine uh, and, and those countries surrounding Ukraine. Lord, 
we need to see the floodgates of heaven open up. And, and I'm reminded of what you said in uh, the book of Malachi, the third chapter, that when we give to you, then you open up the floodgates. When we are faithful in giving to you, then you open up the floodgates of heaven and, and you pour out so much blessing we can't even uh, contain it all. From the book of Malachi chapter 3. So, Lord, help us to, to, to trust you. Help that to trust to be evident uh, in, in how we respond to you uh, and how we give to support other people, how we give to support needs. Lord, we look to you today. Strengthen our faith. As the father of the boy said uh, in Mark chapter 9, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Lord, help us to overcome our unbelief. May we be filled with faith in you, Lord God Almighty. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, hear our prayer. Friends, that's a wrap for today. I want to encourage you to have a great day. I will see you again tomorrow.